The first time Hal wore this microphone, he said he felt like Garth Brooks. I'm more of a Katy Perry man myself. Uh, We are continuing this morning our series through John's Gospel. We started last year, and then we took a break, and then we picked up again back in August in John uh, chapter 6, and we slowly worked our way to the end of the chapter uh, this morning. Some of you might might remember, or you may just know, uh, that at the end of John, or near the end in chapter 20, actually, he tells the reader uh, why he's written the whole gospel. He gives us his purpose for the book. He says he's written it so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, uh, that he is the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you might have life in his name. So this gospel is not just an interesting historical biography, and it's not just facts for you to store up about Jesus's uh, miracles or the things he did or the things he said, but it's written so that believing in him, you might have life uh, in his name. So keep that in mind as we read our passage this morning. Uh, If you've got a Bible, you can turn to John uh, chapter 7. I'm going to start reading actually in verse 37. I think what's printed in your bulletin begins at verse 40. That'll be our sermon text this morning. Uh, But please follow along with me uh, as I read from John 7. I'll start in verse 37. Uh, This is God's holy Inerrant and inspired word. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And then verse 40, this is where your bulletin begins. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless uh, both the hearing and the preaching of your word this morning. We pray that you'd use it to draw us to you and to help us know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I imagine that if you have found your way uh, into Redeemer Presbyterian Church on a Sunday morning, that you at least know a little something 
uh, about Jesus. Uh, at a minimum, you know, or you've gathered that we think uh, he's pretty important, that we, that we think he's a big deal. Of course, many of you uh, know a lot about Jesus. Uh, you have been hearing about him uh, your whole life. But I wonder, and I, I often wonder this, um, I wonder if you, if you ever feel like you are missing something. Uh, that you're here, uh, you want to be here, or at, at, a, at the very least you, you think you ought to be here. Maybe someone brought you here. But on Monday, on Monday you're just not quite sure how it is uh, that Jesus is supposed to matter. You know that he's supposed to matter in some kind of way, or, may, or maybe you're beginning, maybe you're beginning to doubt that as well. Um, but I wonder, do you have any confidence uh, that you are actually experiencing uh, the life uh, that Jesus offers here? In the verses that I started to read from, uh, in, in verse 37, uh, Jesus stands up in the crowd and makes some remarkable claims about himself. Uh, We learned in the sermon last week that there were these water rituals going on all around Jesus. But he stands up and tells the crowd, if anyone is thirsty, they can come to me. That you would not only be satisfied, but that living waters would flow out from you if you would come to Jesus. And then Starting in verse 40, uh, we see a lot of different uh, responses to what Jesus has had to say. Uh, In particular, we see a lot of opinions uh, beginning to form. Uh, Some of them have uh, some elements of truth in them, but you probably notice they're not quite right. Nobody quite has figured out who exactly Jesus is. And we do need to understand here uh, that these uh, these are not the opinions of some hypothetical uh, world out there that just doesn't understand Jesus as well as you and I do. Uh, Everyone who speaks in this passage is an Israelite. These are people uh, that are part of the covenant community. And to the extent that you and I fail to take Jesus on his own terms, uh, we too uh, will misunderstand who he is. Uh, We will miss out on the fullness of what he has to offer. Uh, or worse, uh, we, will, we will reject what he has to offer because we don't find it uh, plausible or simply uh, don't find it appealing. So this morning, uh, what I want you to see, what I want us to see together is that Jesus is only truly known on his own terms. Okay, Jesus is only truly known uh, on his own terms. Uh, We'll see four conditions uh, to knowing Jesus and to understanding Jesus. I don't know which is more surprising to you, um, that there are conditions or that there are four points to the sermon this morning. But um, now that everybody's engaged, okay, we have four conditions. The first is that Jesus is known by faith. Second, that Jesus is is known through revelation. Third, we'll see that Jesus is known with courage. And lastly, that Jesus is known by the thirsty. Okay? 
He's known by faith, through revelation, with courage, and by the thirsty. So first, Jesus is only known by faith. Uh, there are some in the crowd who really do want to know Jesus. They, they have an interest in figuring out who he is. Uh, but we'll see that rather than believing in him, uh, their aim is to scrutinize him. But our posture, our posture toward Jesus must be as our Savior and as our King, not a candidate. Okay, not as one among many options that end up getting sifted uh, through our criteria. In verses 40 through 42, we see three opinions about who Jesus is. One group says this really is the prophet. They've actually caught on to all the references in chapters 6 and 7 that have been made to Israel's time in the wilderness under Moses. And they've determined that Jesus, he really is the prophet who is greater than Moses that was spoken about in Deuteronomy 18. Then another group says, well, this is the Christ on the basis of the things he said and on the basis of the miracles they've seen him perform. uh, They've determined that he really is uh, the Messiah. He's the long-awaited Holy One of Israel who will deliver his people from captivity. And then, of course, there's others that say, well, he's not the Christ uh, because he's not from the right place. And they, they actually point out that the scriptures tell us where Christ will come from, that he'll come uh, from the line of David and the town of David, uh, from Bethlehem. Now, there's some truth to all these opinions uh, that get offered here. Jesus, he really is the prophet and the Christ. Now, however it is that, however it is that these people understood those titles, we know that they don't quite have an accurate grasp on them. Uh, at a minimum, because they saw them as two different people, uh, not as one uh, in Jesus. And then, of course, the, the Christ really is supposed to be uh, from David and from Bethlehem. This is also almost right. Uh, the reader knows that Jesus actually meets these qualifications. So we know that their, their skepticism about him uh, is misplaced. Now, if you've been... If you've been paying attention in John up to this point, you may have noticed that the writer of the fourth gospel is actually not really concerned with Jesus's genealogy uh, or his geography. What John wants you to know is things like Jesus is from the beginning, Uh, that he's not just from David's kingly line, but he's from the father who sent him. And that he's not just from Bethlehem, but he is the one who has come down from heaven. So do you see the problem? You see the problem that they're facing? Uh, What they wanted uh, was a prophet. It's been 400 years since we have heard a direct word from God. They wanted the Messiah because they wanted someone to deliver them out from under Roman captivity. And in those wants, they completely missed what Jesus was there to offer, that he was there to give them bread from heaven and living water. You see, even even when they were right about Jesus, they missed his true importance because they wanted him for their own ends. You see that? 
As far as I know, none of you ever met uh, my grandmother. Uh, I called her Granny. She was a sweet little lady, grew up in rural South Georgia. I'm sorry, rural South Carolina. There's no state called South Georgia. She grew up in rural South Carolina. Uh, She taught me the Lord's Prayer and how to sing the doxology. So you get a little picture of this little lady. Well, in 1975, uh, this this is before I was born, uh, she was really looking forward to seeing this movie that had come out that was about a bird. She thought that would be sweet, and she was looking forward to that. Uh, well, she was somewhat uh, not only surprised, but I think a little bit scandalized to find out in the movie theater that One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was not about a bird. It was, it was about a convicted felon who was, um, who was faking uh, his own mental illness so that he could live in an institution and escape the hard labor of the prison farm. Um, Granny didn't see that coming, okay? Um, it didn't actually matter to her that the movie uh, was widely acclaimed and had won all these awards. Um, she had already got a certain set of expectations in her mind uh, that this movie uh, not only did not meet, but actually completely kind of overturned and upended, kind of ruined her afternoon. The fact that I've heard about this, even though I wasn't even born for another six years, tells you how scarred she was that the movie was not about a bird. Um, well, some of you, uh, some of you may have found yourselves disappointed or even disinterested uh, in Jesus because of the expectations that you bring to the table. Somewhere along the way, you've gotten the idea that he exists to bring you a relatively comfortable and painless life, preferably with just a little bit more money than you need. Or that, well, Jesus would never let my child not get into college. Or he would never allow me to lose my job. Uh, But what we learn in this passage is that if you will not come to Jesus as your Savior and as your King, even the things that you properly know about him will be of no use to you. Because he will never let you be the King. Uh, The reverse is actually always, I'm, I'm sorry, also true. Some of you here are actually quite satisfied with Jesus because as far as you can tell, he has given you a pretty uh, nice life. But if your ultimate goal uh, is yourself, then you will ultimately find Jesus uh, unsatisfying because you're not knowing him as he has offered himself, as the one who gives bread from heaven and gives living water. So when you're... Uh, considering who Jesus is and considering coming to him, our tendency is to ask things like, well, can he help me? I mean, can he help me uh, with my parenting? Uh, Could he help me just get my life together? Uh, Will he be nice to me if I come to him? But what we have to learn to ask is, is Jesus who he claims to be? Is Jesus who he says uh, that he is? Uh, Many will try to know Jesus, but it is 
only by their own understanding and for their own ends, but he must uh, be known by faith. That is, he must be known by believing in him and what he has to say about himself, which takes us right into the second condition of knowing him. Jesus is only known uh, through revelation. That is, some people, some people think they already know Jesus. They think they've heard enough and they've kind of got their minds made up about him already, but all their information is somewhat secondhand. Uh, they have not really had an encounter with Jesus. Uh, you see in verse 44 that some wanted to arrest Jesus. By the way, notice nobody is indifferent to Jesus here. Uh, even those who seek to arrest him have formed some kind of opinion. Uh, divisions do not get formed around people uh, that are of no consequence. Uh, wherever the name of Jesus is spoken, people are brought uh, to the point of decision. But as far back as chapter 5, as far back as chapter 5, uh, the Jewish leaders, uh, this included the Pharisees, had been seeking to kill Jesus. And earlier in chapter 7, we learned the chief priests and the Pharisees, uh, they have sent officers, they have sent their little Levite uh, police force to go and arrest Jesus. And now the officers uh, have come. As far as we know, they are following orders and have every intention of arresting Jesus on the spot. But we see here that that's not exactly what happens. Uh, They come back from meeting him uh, empty-handed, and their bosses are not happy about it. Now, John's already told us, uh, we've already learned uh, in John, that Jesus' hour had not yet come. It was not yet the appointed time for Jesus uh, to be arrested or to be tried or to be crucified. But that's not the reason uh, that we're given here. That's not the reason. Uh, The reason that is given probably surprised Some of the officers themselves, uh, when the Pharisees ask, well, why haven't you brought Jesus back? We we told you to arrest him. They say, no one ever spoke like this man. Sir, we've heard lots of speeches before, but he was different. In other words, they were completely prepared to arrest this criminal. But when they met him, all that they heard far exceeded their expectations. He was nothing like the man they thought they were going to meet. He was nothing like what they thought they knew about him. And the power and authority that they encountered when they heard from Jesus was far greater than the one that sent them to arrest him. And all that they thought they knew was overturned in an instant. Many people have uh, decided uh, for various reasons that Jesus is not for them. Um, What I've discovered, and and maybe some of you have discovered this, is that when you ask people why they don't believe in Jesus, if you you press them down for an honest answer, uh, often you're surprised by how little they actually understand about Christianity. Many, many superficial objections to Jesus have simply never been investigated. Uh, and in our society, I mean, 
I mean this society, uh, the people in the room, uh, the culture that we live in, the air that we breathe, there is a high priority on open-mindedness, on not being too rigid in our thinking, uh, particularly when it, when it uh, concerns these ultimate uh, truth claims. A man named G.K. Chesterton, uh, he warned against being so open-minded that your brains fall out. Um, he had to be a dad, right? That's a great dad joke. But he also said, uh, a little bit more specifically, he warned against merely having an open mind because he said that is nothing. Uh, the object of opening the mind is the same as opening the mouth. The point is that it might close down on something solid. Uh, the point I want to make here is that if we are going to come to any real conclusions about Jesus, uh, we have to ask, well, do you really know him? Have you really encountered uh, Jesus? Have you gone to the sources? Do you know what he has to say about himself in the word? I'm still uh, somewhat uh, surprised how little attention uh, gets paid to the word among uh, professing Christians. Uh, I'll just throw this out here. I I wonder if some of you might not be more embarrassed to have missed the latest episode of NPR's Tiny Desk uh, than you would for it uh, to be exposed that you didn't actually know your Bible very well. Um, It's not that I want anyone uh, to be embarrassed. There is no shame. uh, Actually, there's no shame at all in your ignorance, but we need to bring that uh, to Jesus I don't, I don't say these things to make anybody feel guilty, but it is to plead with you. Uh, if you want to know Jesus uh, truly and you want to enjoy all that he has to offer, then you are going to have to spend uh, some time with him uh, in the place where he has chosen to reveal himself most clearly. It's not that Reading your Bible or uh, hearing the preached word uh, week in and week out on Sunday mornings is magical. Uh, it will not solve all of your problems. It, it likely won't even answer all of your questions about God. But I can assure you uh, that you will meet Jesus there. You will meet him uh, in the place where his spirit uh, has promised to work. Jesus is known uh, by faith. He's known through revelation. Uh, But we also see clearly in this story that Jesus is only known uh, with courage. In other words, to place your faith in Jesus, uh, to align yourself with him and with his people, is always to face in some measure the same opposition that he faced. The officers uh, barely note a little hint of intrigue in Jesus, and the Pharisees immediately accuse them of being deceived. Uh, They are quick to turn on them and to lump them in with the crowd, whom they also accuse of not understanding the law and even being cursed. The Pharisees weren't even there to hear Jesus, uh, but they simply expect to be followed blindly 
Uh, The only argument they offer uh, in response is to remind them that the religious elites have not believed in Jesus. Therefore, no one else should either. And then, uh, somewhat surprisingly, they, they ramp it up a little bit more and they turn on Nicodemus, one of their own, one of the Pharisees. When he shows uh, the slightest willingness to pay attention to who Jesus is, they just accuse him of being a Jesus sympathizer. You sound like one of those people from Galilee. Are you his cousin or something? This is a, a tried and true method of ridicule. They, they just call him stupid. Suggest that he's from the same uh, backwoods area as Jesus And the rest of these know-nothings. Now to you and I, I think this looks probably like just some bold-faced arrogance. It might even look a little silly to you. It might even look uh, like some middle school kind of name-calling. But we don't want to discount the enormous uh, pressure that would have been on these people. On the officers or anyone else uh, simply to keep their mouth uh, shut. Uh, Middle school is a lot more like adult life than we like to pretend. Uh, When the culture's uh, thinkers and so-called elites uh, don't believe what you believe, it actually has a profound uh, effect on you. Uh, It can change uh, what you think is normal. It changes what you think you ought to conform to. You see... Uh, These men wanted to kill Jesus and eventually did kill Jesus because uh, they hated him. And if you are going to be one of his people and you're going to align yourself with his people, the temptation is going to be to keep your Christianity uh, tame in some way, uh, perhaps sanitized uh, or even hidden in some way. If we were to change the characters around a little bit, uh, imagine hearing something like, well, you just sound like one of those Bible thumpers. I mean, we don't, we don't like to hear things like that. We don't want to be uh, lumped in with actually with other people that we think are ignorant. Or you just sound like one of those people on TBN. Or you, you just sound like one of those uh, Trump voters. We don't want to be lumped in uh, with these other people, partly because we don't want to be considered ignorant and partly because we don't want to be lumped in with people that we despise ourselves. We want to be liked so badly. Um, There's almost nothing worse than being considered uh, uneducated uh, in our culture, except maybe being considered uncool. Uh, And... Those things have enormous pressure uh, on our lives. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. I can promise you that if you align yourself uh, with Jesus, 
Uh, You will be misunderstood. Uh, You will be mocked, even if you never hear about it. And there will be times uh, when your faith will require great courage. Faith must be more than assent, more than simply agreeing with the propositions. Uh, It will take great courage not to simply deny your association uh, with Jesus and with his people. So we see Jesus is known by faith. He's known through revelation. He's even known uh, with courage. And lastly, we see that Jesus is only known by the thirsty. That is, Jesus cannot be known by those who do not want to know him. Uh, This is been hammered home uh, the last few sermons because John keeps finding different ways to say it. But we have to realize that Jesus is for the hungry and the thirsty and for the needy. Uh, He did not come uh, for the righteous, but for those who know that they need something outside of themselves. And when you just don't need Jesus, you can never fully understand him uh, or know him. After the Pharisees called a crowd cursed, uh, they actually uh, accused them of not knowing the law. And then uh, Nicodemus, a Pharisee himself, uh, has some questions for them about whether they're actually following uh, their own law. I don't know if you remember uh, Nicodemus. We we talked about him briefly last year. But he shows up uh, way back in chapter 3. He comes by night to talk with Jesus and tells him that he, knew, he knows that he's from God and that he knows that God uh, is with him. Now, at this point in the story, we're not exactly sure where Nicodemus' heart is, uh, but we, we do find out by the end of John's gospel that Nicodemus has become an unashamed follower of Jesus. And here, uh, as one of the Pharisees, one of the bad guys... He reminds us that we, we simply don't know uh, when or where or on whom the Spirit will blow. We cannot uh, read into those things. And I've, I've been praying this week uh, that the Spirit might blow uh, today. Maybe He is blowing on some of you here this morning to really consider uh, what Jesus has to say about himself. But Nicodemus, uh, Nicodemus asked the Pharisees in verse 51, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? That's a pretty reasonable question just on the face of it. But even uh, several verses in Deuteronomy make it clear that the accused uh, has the right to be heard according to the Pharisees' own law. And their own uh, Roman law that they were under uh, would have agreed with this principle. So what happens is the very law that they used to curse the crowds, the standard uh, that they accepted and that they taught, becomes the standard uh, that condemns them. They condemn themselves because there is just so much hopelessness in knowing the law. Uh, without knowing Jesus. There is only so much hopelessness 
and understanding God's demands without understanding uh, His grace and the person through whom that grace comes. When we make anything the end of the law other than Jesus, we find ourselves cursed. So the Pharisees, uh, they not only exposed just their own lack of integrity uh, with regard to the law, but they actually reveal a real lack of interest in knowing anything about Jesus. Their law gave them a ready-made excuse to go and investigate the claims. It would have been a very easy excuse to come and actually hear uh, what Jesus uh, had to say. But when Nicodemus reminds them of the law, that Jesus needs to be heard uh, before he's judged, they just sidestep the question. Now we need to notice here, this is perhaps an important qualifier on something I said earlier. But the most biblically informed people in the narrative are the farthest from the truth here. In fact, in the next chapter, Jesus tells them that they don't know him, they don't know where he's from, and they don't know what he's doing. Uh, Their access to true information is not the problem. The Pharisees don't know Jesus because they do not uh, want to know him. Uh, Many people... Uh, don't know Jesus and don't want to know him because they don't want to need him. Uh, But it is the only way to come to him and the only way to know him. Uh, Samuel Miller was a professor at Princeton uh, back in the 1800s. And he said, he said, the gospel proclaims to men their guilt and depravity and a method of recovery which lays the sinner in the dust And stains all of his pride. Until until you know uh, the real depths of your situation. That apart from Jesus you are without hope and without God. uh, You will never come to Jesus and you will certainly never understand him uh, or truly know him. But if you will come to Jesus... Uh, with empty hands, if you will come to him with a cry for mercy, he promises that you will find life in his name. You see, to know Jesus is to set aside all your earthly desires and find rest in only the new life that he offers, is to devote yourself uh, to his word at the expense of ridicule and being Uh, misunderstood by your associations. It's to all your pride and to admit that you are nothing and have nothing uh, without him. But in all these ways, he's only known uh, on his own terms, which means he must be known as he presents himself, as the very one who gives access to God, which we so desperately need. And we're even made for. Uh, The Pharisees here, they are obviously blinded uh, by their pride. Uh, They hated Jesus and they looked down on the crowd. But Jesus, Jesus who knew the hearts of men, 
Uh, Jesus, who knows uh, you and I, uh, he chose to love the crowd. He offered himself to them. He spoke to them of the true bread that satisfies and the living water that only he could give. And later in John 17, Jesus prays to the Father that you and I would see his glory. That is, he prays to the Father that you and I would know him in his fullness. You see that? Jesus already knows you, but he wants you to know him. The one who is from the beginning, the one who has been given all authority in heaven and earth, wants you to know him. Uh, St. Augustine said, Do not, for the sake of reward, love God, but let him be your reward. Uh, Let us learn to love Jesus for who he is, the Lord of glory and our Savior and our King, and may we be ever grateful uh, to know him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we do thank you that you are not a God who is far off, but one who has drawn near. And then in your great kindness and mercy, you have sent your son to us that we might know him and that we might know you. We thank you that this prayer in John 17 is offered by our great high priest uh, to you. And we know that you hear it and we know that you answer all Jesus's prayers. Uh, We thank you and we pray these things in his name. Amen.